0: Okay, if you take a look at the source sheet, in the, in the first source sheet, the first part of the source sheet, we have two psukim here from Yishayahu and from Yirmiyahu. The pasuk says, zel zeva, Amar kadosh kadosh kadosh, kadosh tzivakos, melo Those are the critical words here. The whole world is filled with Hakadosh Baruch Hu's Kavod, filled with Hakadosh Baruch's glory. Similar concept brought in the pasuk in Yirmiyahu. Look at the end of the Pasuk, it says, In other words, the entire heavens, the entire earth is filled with Hashem's presence. And it's brought down in Tikune Zohar, Les Asar there is no place that is devoid of Hashem's presence. <laughs> the implication of all of these Psukim is that there's no place that lacks godliness. By definition, if you're in this world, is wherever we are. So the obvious question that we have to ask, given that Parshish Truma is the beginning of the several Parshios, which detail very specifically of how we build the Mishkan, we have to ask ourselves a very fundamental, very basic question. If God is everywhere, then why do we need a specific place, the Mishkan or the Beis HaMikdash, in order to worship Hashem? There is Hashem is everywhere, so what does it mean that there's a specific place that Hashem is revealed more? And, just adding on to this one layer, what does it mean for us today when we don't have a Mishkan and we don't have a Besam Mikdash? In other words, whatever advantage having a Mishkan means, we don't have it today. So what are we supposed to do? Right? Are we just lacking? Is that it, or is there something that we're meant to learn from the Mishkan, from the Beis HaMikdosh that's still applicable today? So that's our first question. There's a second question. Seems to be unrelated. It's not unrelated. This is a Torah from Rav Moshe Weinberger. Very beautiful Torah. It's a Gemara in Brachos. So I'm going to read the Brach, I'm going to read the Gemara inside. You can see on the bottom. I brought the uh, the English translation, but I'll read it inside for you. Abaya and Rava, Hava Yosva derava. You also have heard of Abaya and Rava. Abayah and Rava were Talmidim of Rabbah. and they were sitting in front of him. So Amr luhu so Rabbah said to Abaya and Ravah, of Archim, who do you bless? Who do you bless? So Amr leiler Achmanah. we bless Hashem. What do you mean, who do we bless? We bless Hashem. Achmanah heche Yosef, Rabbah says to his two Talmidim, Abayah and Ravah, and where can HaKadosh Baruch Hu be found? So Rabba, Achvei Tlala. So Rava pointed to the ceiling. He said, "This is where Hashem can be found." Abaye Nafik Lebara And Abaye went outside and he pointed towards the heavens. Amar Luhu So Rava said, Havesu." I see that you two, even though you're both very young, I see that great rabbis will come from you. Obviously. There's a deeper significance to this Gemara. The fact that Ravah pointed to the ceiling and that Abaya went outside and pointed toward Shemayim. Obviously these mean very deep things. And Rava was able to perceive even at a young age that Abaya and Rava would become great Rabbis because of this answer. And the Gemara says, I don't exactly know what the Gemara means over here, but this is like what people say, Butzen, Butzen, Mikitve Yediyah a cucumber can be recognized from the very beginning that it's a cucumber. You can, always, you can already tell from the time a cucumber is small that it's going to become a cucumber. So too, even though Abaya and Rava are young, I see that they'll become great. What's the reference to a cucumber? I don't know, but that's not relevant for now. So we have a machlokas between Abaya and Rava, some deep significance to this Gemara. Where can Hashem be found? Abaya points to the... Make sure I get this right. No. Yeah. Rava pointed to the ceiling and Abaye goes outside and points to Shamayim. Obviously, they have some sort of Machlokas here. What's the depth of this Machlokas? So in order to understand this, we're going to learn a Gemara in Chagiga. It's a, it's a, a very deep Gemara. And we're going to try to understand it very, very, very intensely. There's a Pasuk in Yirmiyah. The Pasuk says, If you will not hear it, my soul will be crying in secret for your pride. Who is crying? This is Hashem. Hashem is crying. Why? Because, you see what he says? Because your pride has been taken away. He's crying over who? Who is Hashem crying over? He's crying over us. He's crying over, the Gemara offers as one possibility, that Hashem is crying over the fact that our gaiva, that our pride, has been taken away. And the Gemara has a question on this. The Amr of Papa, of How could you possibly say that Hashem cries? Hashem doesn't get sad. How do we know that Hashem doesn't get sad? Because there's another Pasuk. Sh'nemar haid v'hadar Lafanov. How could you say that Hakadosh Baruch Hu cries when we know that the pasuk in Divrei Ayamim says that, ha- that Hakadosh Baruch Hu is honor and majesty, right? Honor and majesty, And not only is he is he is he honor and majesty, but he's also strength and gladness. So we have a contradiction in psukim. The Gemara points out: Does Hakadosh Baruch Hu cry for Klal Yisrael? Is he sad for us? Or is HaKadosh Baruch Hu happy? So listen to what the Gemara says. These words are going to be critical. See if you can make sure to get this. The Gemara says, Lo kasha. It's not a contradiction. We're talking about two different cases. Ha bevate gavai, ha bevate barai. It depends what you're referring to. If you're referring to Hashem's crying, I'm giving you the Pashup shot of the Gemara now, where does Hashem cry? In the innermost chambers. In the innermost chambers, Hashem cries. Why in the innermost chambers? Because that's where a person can cry in secret. But in the outside, HaKadosh Baruch Hu is happy. That's the simple explanation of the Gemara. simple explanation of the Gemara is where is Hashem happy? Outside, Hashem is happy, but secretly. In the inside, Hashem is sad. Why is Hashem sad? Why is Hashem crying? Because the pride of the Jewish people in exile... Has been diminished. This is what the Gemara says. But in the Svarim Akdosim, in the Hasidisha Svarim, in the Kabbalistic Svarim, a different explanation is given for this Gemara. The exact opposite: that on the outside, Hakadosh Baruch Hu is sad, but on the inside, Hakadosh Baruch Hu is crying. You realize again. To make sure everyone gets it. The simple explanation of the Gemara is that where is Hashem happy? On the outside, he's happy, but really, really on the inside, what is Hashem? He's sad for us because of the destruction of the Jewish people, because we've lost our pride. But the Sarim HaKadoshim say it's the opposite. On the outside, Hashem is sad, because Kal Yisrael lost its pride, but on the inside, HaKadosh Baruch Hu is happy. So let's understand, what does this mean? This is a deep idea here. So it needs to be understood as follows. There's something called racious chachma Hashem. Before we talk about acquiring wisdom, there is a baseline called Yerashamayim. You know, a lot of times you see in Yeshiva that a guy comes to Yeshiva and he wants to know how come the learning that I'm doing isn't having an impact on me? How come it's not having an impact? I'm sitting and learning, I'm going to Seder, I'm working hard, I'm Hazaring Shir but it's not having an impact on me. So the Pasuk says, Reishis Chachma, what's the beginning of wisdom? Yir has Hashem. Before you can acquire Torah, there has to be a baseline level of Yir Hashemayim, a baseline level of religious observance. There's a kid, I don't know if he's going to come to Mav next year, but I hope he does. And a couple of months ago, I had a conversation with him. This kid, I know for sure, this guy is going to come to yeshiva. Whatever yeshiva he goes to, he's going to fly. He has a big, big, big neshama. You could tell. You see him. I'm telling you, this kid, he's he's special. He's He has just something about him. You know what I'm saying? Like you meet somebody, something, He's just like, he's got that it factor. I met him right away. When I met him in December, I was like, this guy's got it. So he came to me and he goes, Rabbi, I I really am interested in coming to Mevaseret, but like, you know, I want to... I'll be I'll be over here. I want to you know I want to like uh, chill a little bit in the beginning. We all understand what chill means, yeah. I want to chill a little bit in the beginning. So I said to him, look, you have a problem. Forget mivaseret for a second. You have a problem. There's something called tovel the sheretz biyado. You go to mikvah but you're holding on to something impure. If you want to go to mikvah and be purified, you have to be willing to let go of the thing that's making you impure. Otherwise, it's not going to have an impact. Reish Hashem means that a girl could be coming to seminary and she could be going to all of her classes. She could be taking notes. She could be locked in. The phones could be in the box. She doesn't even have an AirPod in her ear. Unbelievable level. But why isn't the Torah having an impact on her? What's the answer? Because in order for the Torah to have an impact, there's a first step. We'll call it an outside step. called will call it Hashem. There has to be a baseline level of religious observance. If you don't have that, the Torah is not going to impact on you. On this level, we're not experiencing joy. We're still on the outside. When a person is on the outside, what are they experiencing? They're experiencing the pain of exile. It's like, I'm trying to give a good example of this, just to try to make it like concrete. But it's like, imagine somebody who's in a relationship and they're on the outside, so to speak, of the relationship. You know what I mean? They're not feeling the warmth of the inside of the relationship. They want to get to the inside, but first, what do they need to do before they get to the inside? They have to participate in the basic things in the relationship. It's like, if the husband wants to get close to the wife, he's not feeling right now like he's on the inside, right? He's feeling distant. He's feeling pushed away. The first thing he needs to do is he needs to do the basic things in the relationship. What would be the basic things in the relationship? He needs to take out the garbage. He needs to put his socks in the laundry. Right? He needs to make a parnasa. He needs to wake up in the morning. He needs to be an attentive father. Right? He needs to go out on a date with his wife. These are called outside things. When a person is on the outside and they're trying to get on the inside, the first thing they have to do, they have to behave nicely. But on the outside, do you feel joy? On the outside, you feel the pain of the pride that you don't have. The fact that you're not able to get to the innermost sanctum of the relationship. Every one of us in this room, one second, every one of us in this room wants what? We want to get to a state of union. We want to get to a state of oneness, of dveikos with Hashem. We all want to get to that innermost section. Right now, when you're on the outside and you're just behaving, you're doing the right thing. So, you could show up in the morning, you could daven. But are you really like feeling connected? No, you're feeling the pain, perhaps, of I'm pushing myself to do something even when I don't feel that inner level of connection. What does it mean to be inside? To be inside, to be inside the innermost chambers of the king. Listen what the Pasakan Shira Shiram says. I brought it down over here. nagila When the king brings me into my inner into the innermost chambers, that's when we experience joy. That's the joy of tyra. The joy of tyra is not the joy of behaving, it's not the joy of a basic level of observance. The joy of Torah is the union that you get to have with Hashem. That's a big deal. Imagine for a moment that the Torah, a good way of thinking about it, is Hashem's diary. That's a beautiful way of thinking about it. You know, if you invite somebody in and you say to them, I'd like to share with you my innermost thoughts and feelings, what do you feel when someone gives you that gift? I had a Talmud once who told me that, He got married, and he and his wife were in a really strong place. And with great vulnerability, she wanted to tell him about a part of herself that she had back in the day. And the way that she said it to him, she said, I can't adequately give it over, but I have my diary from that time where I used to journal, and I'd like you to read it. And he did. And he shared with me not any of the details of what she said, But he shared with me what it was like to receive that diary from her. Could you imagine the level of intimacy, the level of vulnerability, the level of connection? He's not just saying to her, she's not, I'm sorry, she's not just saying to him, here, here, read something about me. She's saying, this is me. I want you to learn this part of me. To be brought into the inside is the greatest joy in the world. So there's two levels. Level number one is what we call the outside. That's the pain of exile. It's the pain of lost pride. It's I'm willing to behave because I want to get deeper, so I'm willing to pay the price to enter into this relationship. But it's not joyous yet. It's not joy. Joy is when you're invited into the innermost sanctum of the king, and he gives you his diary. What is the first word that Hashem says to Klal Yisrael? He says Anochi. What does Anochi stand for? Which means, I wrote my essence into the Torah. When a person is learning Torah, the reason why Torah is a joyous experience is because you're learning about Hashem's will and wisdom. If Torah is not a joyous experience for you, it's not because Torah is not joyful. Anybody who's thinking about it, even just for a second would realize that to be given the greatest gift in the history of the world, to be told by God himself, this is what I want from you, that's an unbelievable gift. That's to be brought into the innermost sanctum of the king. Why is it not joyous? Because what are we missing? The Torah will have an impact if you're prepared for the Torah to have an impact upon you. And if the Torah is not having an impact upon you, it's not chas because the Torah doesn't have an impact. It's because you're not yet a vessel to receive the Torah. You had a quick question? Yeah, like what? That, like you went back to, be, you have to have like a basic level of Torah observance. What you do that? Basic level of Torah observance means that I'm, like I'm learning Torah, but learning Torah by itself doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to be joyous, right? If you're in the relationship and now someone comes and shares with you their innermost feelings, that's joyful. So, for example, if you're sitting next to a guy, I'm going to be like just silly about it for a second. If you're sitting next to a guy on a bus and you're a and he turns to you and he goes, can I share with you what my life was like when I'm 16? What's your natural reaction to that? No. Do not, do not continue talking. You need to move to a different seat, or I need to move to a different seat, right? You start texting your friends, right? Like, if I'm not back tonight, I want you to know it was this guy. You take that, like, you know, you do that, like, selfie move where you're like, Taking a picture of somebody else, but like it looks like taking a picture of you. This is the guy that killed me, right? Why? Why is that? Isn't he sharing with you something beautiful about himself? Yeah, but I'm not in your relationship, so don't tell me about yourself. That's weird. But if you're invested in the relationship, no, 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 that's not right. Remember, the relationship is always defined by the other person, right? I have to participate on the relationship on their terms, right? As if I'm married to my wife. So she says, this is what it looks like to be in a relationship with me. I don't get to go, this is what it looks like to be in a relationship with you. If I want to be married to her, yeah, exactly. So there's a basic level of yerushamayim. I'm keeping Shabbos, I'm davening, I'm keeping kosher, I'm invested. Even if you, like, forget the nitty-gritty detail for a second. I'm invested in this relationship. Now that I'm invested in the relationship, the Torah is exciting to me. It's a joyous thing, because I'm brought into the inner sanctum of this relationship, and that's where I want to be. Does that make sense? Yeah? But isn't that the first part, though, like, working on the outside? Yeah, exactly. There's a Yishach MeYeres Hashem, the beginning is the outside. It's not necessarily a joyous experience. But if you want to be able to go into the inside, the first thing you need is to go into the outside. Yeah? But I feel like there are a lot of people who do that every single day and they don't find joy they just okay. do it because they have to. Right. So that that's a separate question. It's a good question. Of what happens when I have that racial schachmira sashem and I'm learning Torah, but still it's not having an impact. It's a great question. Revolba in shur alludes to a question like that, and he says in shur again we're not gonna get into it right now, if if something is not if something that's naturally joyful, is not joyful for you, that means that there's a problem on the inside, right? Because it's like, let's say for a second, just to be silly about it, steak is delicious. We don't have to argue if steak is delicious. Steak is delicious. If you go to Pat's and you get that 36-inch porterhouse, yeah, and you go, eh, right? Something is wrong with you. It's not something wrong with the steak. The steak is delicious. Tyra is delicious. Tyra is joyful. Sometimes, for whatever reason, we're not calibrated inside. So here we're not talking about such a person. We're talking about a basic thing. First, you have to have the Reish Shach Meyosh Hashem, and if you have that, Torah now is a naturally joyful experience. And if it's not, it means something is off. Okay? Fine. With this in mind, let's learn a Gemara in Shabbos that basically says this Befeirish. Amr Rabbah Barav Huna. You see the Gemara inside? Amr Rabbah Barav Huna. Rabbah Barav Huna says, Kol Adam sheyesh bo Torah ve'en bo Yerashamayim. Let's say you have a person, he's a big Tamukachem. He's a big Talmud He sits and he learns in Kailo all day long. He's a guy who he lives here in Ramat Shkol. He's an unbelievable guy. He's sitting and learning all day long, but he's not a Yare Shamayim. He's not a God-fearing Jew. So, what does the Gemara compare it to? Doma Gizbar. This is compared to a treasurer. Shemasser lo maftechos He's been given the keys to the inner safe. Umaftechos lo masserlo. But he wasn't given the keys to the outside safe. So imagine you're standing on the outside of two safes, two safes, and you have the key to the inner safe, but you don't have the key to the outer safe. So the Gemara says, Baha'i aisle. How is he going to get to the inner safe? Sometimes a person is standing there with the keys to the, they have the keys to the kingdom. The Torah is in that inner safe. The Torah is internal. And this guy has the keys. He's a tremendous Tamakachim. But you know why it's not having any impact on him? You know why he's not joyous with the Torah? Because he's still standing on the outside without the keys. He has no Yerush It's possible that a person could be a professor of Rashi. They could know all the Rashis. They can know all the Rashis better than anybody else. But what are they missing? They're missing the outside key. They're living in a state without any Yerush So now listen to this. Let's go back to our Machlokas between Abaya and Ravah. Let me finish this and I'll get to your question. Let's go back to the machlokas between Abaya and Rava. Remember girls, what happened? Rava asked, where is Hashem? Rava pointed to the ceiling in the base medrash and Abaya went outside and pointed to Shemayim. So now it's very obvious what the answer is. What was Ravah asking? Rabbah wasn't asking a stupid question. Rabbah wasn't asking a silly, childish question. He was saying, where do you find Hashem? Like, how does that work? Like, really, how does that work? How do you find Hashem? So, Ravah pointed to the ceiling of the base medrash. They were sitting in a base medrash, just like we are. And he said, right here, in our base medrash, when we sit and learn Torah in the inner sanctum of the king... That's how we connect to Hashem. And you know what Abaya said? Abaya said, You're right. But we have to go outside and point to what? Point to Shemayim, Because if you don't have, you're a shamayim, then the Torah is not going to have an impact on you. And what did Rabbah say about Abaya and Rava? He said, You're both right. And that's how I know that you're going to become great Rabbanim. Because you, Abaya, I'm sorry, you, Rava, you're saying, How do we get close to Hashem? Through learning Torah. That's the main point here. The main point is to learn Torah, to connect to Hashem. But Rava added on something that Abaya didn't say. He said, and if you want to get to the inside, first you have to be on the outside. If you want, if you walk into a hotel, you can't just walk up to your room. What do you have to do? You have to stop at the front desk. You have to get the keys. The outside you have to pay the piper. Is it joyous to be on the outside? No, but you gotta do the work. Once you put in the work, what naturally happens? Now you have the keys to the inside. And this is what the Mishnah and Avos says. Let's learn the Mishnah and Avos together and then I'll get to your question. Ravchanina ben Daisa Aimer, Rukchanina Ben Daisa says, kol she yiras cheto le if your Yira Shamayim, if your Yira Schait comes before your Torah wisdom, Chachmaso Meskayamas, then your Torah will have an impact. It will last. The Kol she kodemes le Yira but it's possible, says Khanina Chanina Bendosa, that you have someone who's a massive Tamachacham, and they could quote to you chapter and verse every single Pasuk and Tanakh, and they could quote to you from all of Shas and Paiskim, but they have no year of Shamayim. You know what's going to happen to their Torah? Their Torah will be lost. Their Torah will not be sustained. You know, we've seen people, big Tamide Chachamin, who had no year of Shamayim. And we've seen what happens to them. Their Torah, ultimately, it has no staying power because it's not held in an appropriate vessel. It just flitters away. Sometimes even great rabbis, who appear to be great rabbis, because they have a massive wealth of Torah knowledge, are not people we should be learning Torah from. Because just because you know a lot doesn't mean that you're a teacher of Torah. It doesn't mean that Torah is mekuyim by you. It doesn't mean that Torah is sustained by you. You know, there was a guy in my neighborhood, I'm not going to get into any of the details because it's irrelevant. There was a guy in my neighborhood many years ago who was probably one of the biggest Hamidei Chachamim in the world. The guy knew everything, but he was a despicable person. And he was doing terrible Averas in secret until it came to light. And then when it came to light, he was basically excommunicated from the community. And you should know that there were people in my community that they sensed about him, Rabbanim, that they sensed about him. And they told people, quietly, because they didn't have any evidence at that point, but they told people quietly, not a guy to hang out with, not a guy to learn Torah from. I said, why? He knows a tremendous amount of Torah. Just because you know a tremendous amount of Torah doesn't mean that Torah is makuyam by you. It doesn't mean that the Torah is sustainable. Why? You have to have the keys to the outer safe, before you have the keys to the inner self. What was your question? You Answer the question. Beautiful. Let's learn one last thing to bring it home. Yeah, last question. Um, you're saying like to become closer to Hashem, you need Yerushalayim? First. You need Tyra for sure. But if you want to get to the inside, you have to pay the price on the outside. If you, want, if you want to know your husband's inside, you have to have Yerushalayim on the outside first. You have to be participating in the relationship. You have to value the relationship, cherish the relationship, and be moving towards that relationship. But is really fear. <laughs> we don't mean Yerushalayim like that. We don't mean Yerushalayim in the childish sense of I'm afraid of Hashem. When we say Yerushalayim, we mean I stand in awe of the majesty of Hashem. And I would never want to do anything that would interrupt my relationship with Hashem. Because of how infinite Hashem is. And because I'm standing in awe of Hashem's infinitude. You're speaking about a very low level that we all learned as children, which is to stand in fear of something that's greater than us. We're not speaking about that here. We're speaking about something much more adult. Does that make sense? Not the childish thing that we grew up with. Again, it's not childish to be afraid of Hashem. It's childish to just stop there. Right? I'm not afraid of my wife. I mean, I'm a little afraid of my wife. but I'm not afraid of my wife. I'd be afraid of what would happen if I did things that would impact the relationship in a way that significantly deteriorated it because of the value and the esteem that I have for her. I think that's a different way of expressing it. Let's learn one last medrash together because this medrash is an unbelievable medrash. The medrash... We don't have so much time, so I'm going to read it a little bit fast. Yeah? Okay. The medrash says, There are certain types of sales that when you buy the thing... You buy the seller with the object. Hashem says to Yisrael, I sold you my Torah. And Kaviyachal, you know what that means? It means that when we bought the Torah, who did we buy with it? We bought Hashem himself. As it says in this week's Parsha, Vayikh Truma, take for me Truma. This is like a king who had one daughter, one princess, and one of the other kings came and he married this princess. And he wanted to take this married princess home to his home country. So So the king says, This daughter that I gave you to marry, she's my only daughter. I can't possibly separate from her. You want to take her home? I can't leave my daughter. On the other hand, I can't tell you not to take her home because after all, now she is your wife. Says the Medrash. Hashem says, do me a favor. The king says to the other king, the one who married his daughter, do me one favor. Any place that you go... Make for me a small room so that I can live with you. Wherever you go, in your new house, make for me a small room so that I can always come and visit my daughter. I can't just leave my daughter. I can't just leave her be and not have a place in her life. This is what Hashem says to call Yisrael. In this week's parsha. I gave you the Torah. Hashem says, I can't separate from the Torah. This is my daughter. This is my princess. I gave it to you. You married the Torah, Hashem says. But I can't separate from the Torah. But I can't tell you not to take the Torah with you because she's your wife. Any place that you go, make for me a place. Where I can dwell. And what is that place? Shanemar, as it says in the in the Pasuk, V'asuli Mikdash v'sha'chanti b'socham. Build for me a Mikdash, so that why? So that I can dwell with you and my daughter, the Torah. So we see that in the Beis HaMikdash, what? In the Beis HaMikdash and in the Mishkan, it wasn't just a place. Like we said in the beginning, where can we find that Kadosh Baruch Hu? Everywhere. The entire world is filled with Hashem's presence. So what is the Beis HaMikdash? What is the Mishkan? It's a room. It's one room in the house. It's one room where Hashem says, can I come visit? And not just be everywhere, but can this be a place that's just for me, you, and the Torah to hang out together? That's what Hashem wants. You know, I have a married daughter now. And Baruch Hashem... We had a bris this week, and uh, she named her son Elio Nassanel, one of the most beautiful names I've ever heard in my life. And, and I, I see my child, my daughter, she's not my only daughter, Baruch Hashem, but she is my oldest daughter. I see she's growing up, and soon she's going to have a place of her own. And she'll buy an apartment somewhere, I hope somewhere close, but maybe not. Hopefully somewhere in Eretz Yisrael. And I'm going to have to come visit. You know, I'm going to be the father-in-law that comes to visit. And maybe I'm going to want to come for Shabbos. And I'll be honest with you. I hope that when they buy a place, and I hope that when I do go for Shabbos, I hope they don't put me at a neighbor's house. You know what I'm saying? I hope I'm not that... I don't want to be that shver. I don't want to be that father, that father-in-law. I want that they should be machshiv, my wife and I, that when we come to visit, there's a room for us. And maybe it'll be Elio and Nisanal's room. Maybe Elio and Nisanal will complain. Why do I have to sleep in the guest room? Why can't Saba and Sartor? I'm I'm not Saba, I'm Pops. I'm Pops, and my wife is going to be Bubby. Bubby and Pops, yeah? I'm still getting used to it. How cool is Pops? Pops is the coolest name ever. Let's be honest, yeah? So I'm, I'm excited. I want to come, but I want to stay in their house. I want to have a special room where we can all hang out together. I want there should be a place for me. Don't just move to Afula and forget about me. Don't just move to Haifa and forget about me. I want that there should be a place. This is what HaKadosh Baruch Hu says to us. But what about today? Is there a place where we can hang out with HaKadosh Baruch Hu today? Have we lost the Beis HaMikdash to such an extent that there's no place in the world that we get to hang out with Hashem? One place that's just for us. So let's look one last thing. The Pasuk, beautiful Pasuk. Pasuk in yechaskel says as follows. L'chein emor. Ko Hashem mikdash asher Listen what the Navi Yecheskel says. The Navi Yecheskel was in Gaulis. and he says and said he says this is what Hashem said to me. I sent them to a faraway land, and now they live among the Goyim. and I scattered them all over the lands. He said, but I made for them a Mikdash Maat. There is still, even after the destruction of the Beis Hamikdash, there is still a small Mikdash, a miniature Beis Hamikdash. Says the Gemara in Megillah, last one, the Aheila Mikdash Maat. What is this small Mikdash? These are our shuls, and these are our Bate medrash. Girls, there's a secret to Klal Yisrael's continued survival. The secret is, wherever we go, what do we build? We build shuls and yeshivas and seminaries. Why do we build shuls and yeshivas and seminaries? Because we build the innermost chamber. We build that special room. We build a place where Torah is being learned. Where we're Davening to Akadush Baraku. You know, sometimes I hear girls say, and guys say, like, does it really matter if he learns? Like, does it really matter, Rabbi, if I learn? Am I not a good Jew if I don't learn? So I don't know, I don't know what what's called good Jew. Everybody's a good Jew. Everybody's beautiful. But if we're in a relationship and we don't learn anything about the other person, isn't that sad? The secret to the survival of a Jew in Gullus is when we went to Bavel, after the destruction of the Beis HaMikdash, you know what we set up? Shuls and yeshivas. Shuls and yeshivas. Somebody said to me recently, don't we have enough shuls and yeshivas? The answer is, we can never have enough shuls and yeshivas. Baruch Hashem, Klai Yisrael is growing. What do we want to give to our children? A Torah education. What do we want to have a place of? We want to have a place where we can connect to Hashem. That's the purpose of a shul. That's the purpose of a yeshiva. That's the purpose of a seminary. You think you he came here to your Shalayim for the year? Just to here, another class. You came to participate in the innermost sanctum of the king. You came to the place of joy. You want the key? You want the key? You have the internal key. You want the external key? You're a Shemayam. You have to be willing to be focused in building the relationship. The Be'ezus Hashem. If you have the outermost key, if you have the Shamayim, you'll have the innermost key. And even though today the Beis Hamikdash is destroyed, Baruch Hashem, HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave us the opportunity to build shuls and yeshivas so that we don't have the big Beis Hamikdash, which God willing we'll have soon, but in the meantime we have to keep building our little Beis Hamikdash. Okay girls, have a wonderful Shabbos.